We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. He has the outline this morning. If you don't, raise your hand so that we can give you the outline for this part of the book of Hebrews. We are in the seventh chapter, and we're talking about the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is a priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek. And in this section here, which began in verse 11, we covered verses 11 through 14 last time, he is comparing the Levitical priesthood to the priesthood of Jesus Christ. It's a new priesthood, and because there is a new priesthood, there is a new law. It is the law of Messiah, the law of the Christ, okay? And the first thing we saw was that the Levitical, uh, we saw the Levitical or Aaronic uh, priesthood, and we see two things about the Levitical or Aaronic priesthood. It's that the Levitical priesthood was changeable, okay? It was changeable. And that's what we cover in verses 11 through 14, the last time we covered the epistle. Now, we're going to go to the second feature of the Levitical priesthood, and it is that not only it was changeable, but it was not permanent. <clears throat> the Levitical priesthood is, was not permanent. Okay? The writer goes on stating further that it is more abundantly clear that if there was to be another priest, and this one after the order of Melchizedek, this would prove that the old Levitical order was just temporary. Okay? Again, the Greek word for another in this uh, section here, in verse 15, and yet it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest, that word another, in the Greek, is another of a different kind, not another priest of the same kind, not another priest like the Aaronic priests. It's a different type of priest altogether, another of a different kind, okay? Uh, and that is not another Levitical priest, but a priest of a different order than the Levitical order. And this is evident by what we had said before, okay? Now, this... Uh, Difference is stated in verse 16. Look what it says here. Who has come, that priest after the order of Melchizedek, has come not according to the law of the fleshly commandment. What is it talking about a fleshly commandment? It's talking about the law of Moses. Okay? Which is really not the law of Moses. It's the law of God given through Moses. But we say it for, you know... Uh, we understand to differentiate it from any other law. It's not the law of grace. It's the law of Moses. Okay? So, if, uh, verse 16, who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life, the Levitical priests became priests by physical birth and by the authority of a temporary and imperfect law. Not that the law in itself was imperfect, 
but those who were carrying out the law were imperfect. And who were those that were carrying out the law? Imperfect priests, imperfect people, and because the law was so perfect, they could not carry it out to the full extent of it. Okay, so that's why it was a law unto death, okay? not unto life. And uh, it, it was, it was uh, the priests arose, and they had the right to be priests by inheritance because they belonged to the family of Aaron. Jesus Christ was made priest by a declaration from God because it says here, according to the power of an endless life. The Lord Jesus Christ had, has, and will always have an endless life. The priests did not have an endless life. The priests were born, and at the age of a certain age, they started being priests, and they were priests until a certain time, which the age of 50, they would stop being priests, and then they retire. And what happened after that? They died. Okay? And so when they died, what happened? Another priest arose. And then when he died, another priest arose. So no priest was able to continue forever and ever and ever. The Lord Jesus Christ is eternal. Okay? It's the power of an endless life. He was, he was and is and will always be a priest. You know, you ask a lot of Christians who go to churches, and I'm not talking about religious uh, denominations. I'm talking about people who go to Bible-believing churches. And you ask them, a lot of them, not saying everyone, but a lot of them, you ask them, where is Jesus Christ today? What? what? He's in heaven. What, what is he doing? What is his function today? What is his role? What is his ministry today? Everybody knows that when he came to earth, he lived a perfect life, and finally he went to the cross to die for our sin, was buried and rose again, and then he ascended to heaven. And then what? And many people know that he's coming again. I see that on Facebook all the time. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Yeah, he's coming. Stop it. If he's coming, why are you so hung up on what's going on down here? Look, lift up your eyes unto the hills from whence comes our help. Our help, our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So stop worrying about what this politician said, that politician said, this uh, corporation did, that corporation did, the, the uh, hospitals are doing this, the other people are doing that. They're concentrating so much on the negative. The Lord did not call us to become Christian activists. Though we need to be doers, though we need to be the salt of the earth. The Lord called us, after we're saved, to be his witnesses in this lost world and point people to Christ. That's what he called us to do. And to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't be a passive Christian. Don't come to church and sit there like, oh, okay, you know, let's see what the pastor has to say today. You know what you are? You're an evangelical Catholic if you do that. You just change churches. Come to church and show some interest in the Word of God. Take a pencil out. Write notes on, your, on the outline. That's why I give you the outline for you to study, to have it. Not to put it, not to frame it at home. Amen? Yeah, you need to be, you need to be interested in the Word of God. You didn't come to the beach. You came to a church. You didn't come to a club. You came to a church. Why do you come to church? To worship the Lord, to learn His Word, and then to apply His Word and start working for the Lord out there. So here we see the Lord 
tells us here that the Lord Jesus Christ is a priest forever. He's alive. He's the power of an endless life. Okay? He was, is, and always will be a priest. The perfect tense of the verb in the Greek shows completed action in the past with ongoing results in the present. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he said, for example, on the cross, it is finished. In the Greek word, in the, in the Greek uh, text, it is only one word. And that word is teteleste. And it comes from the word teleos in Greek, which means perfect. Okay? But the teteleste is the verb, the, pa the, 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 the present tense of the verb, which means action completed forever with effects continuing throughout the future. So in other words, the work that Christ did on the cross, when he said, it is finished, it was finished, it was perfected, and the effects of that perfection are ongoing forever and ever. Don't have to be repeated again. That's the wonder, wonderful work of the Lord Jesus Christ because of his wonderful person and his wonderful sacrifice. So the perfect tense of the verb shows completed action in the past with ongoing results in the present. Jesus Christ abides forever. What did he say? I am with you always, even unto the end of the age or the end of the world. Unlike the Levitical priests who could not continue because of death. Now the basis of the old priesthood was the law of Moses. That was the basis of the old priesthood, the Levitical or Aaronic priesthood. The basis of it was the law. Okay? But in the case of Jesus, the basis is not the law of Moses. Okay? The basis was according to the power of an endless life. Jesus became a priest before or after his resurrection? Somebody said before. Most of you don't know. Bunch of cowards, you don't want to say. Whoops, I'm kicking the things again. Was he a priest before or after the resurrection? How many of you don't know? Raise your hands. Humble yourself. Say, I don't know. What? Amen. Somebody's honest. And most of you don't know. I didn't know. The Lord Jesus Christ did not become a priest before his resurrection because the law of Moses was still ongoing. He did not become a priest until after he nailed the law to the to the cross and fulfilled it. And then he, 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 he was dead for, 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 for three days, well, the third day. The third day he rose from the dead. From the moment he rose from the dead, that's when he became priest forever. Do you remember when Mary Magdalene saw him by the tomb in the garden? The garden tomb? Not Gethsemane, but Calvary, not Gethsemane, but Golgotha. And what did the Lord say? Did she try to touch him? 
And the Lord said to him, do not touch me. Mimu aptu. Don't touch me. For I have not yet ascended. But go tell my brethren that I ascend unto my God and your God, unto my Father and your Father. Both his humanity and his deity. Why did he need to ascend to bring the sacrifice before the altar in heaven? Not the altar on earth. The altar, the holy of holies in heaven, not the holy of holies on earth. So when he brought the blood sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice, before the holiest of all in heaven, that's when his priesthood began. And from that day to this day, and until the day he returns, he will continue being the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I thank God we have the Lord Jesus Christ as our high priest and not the Pope. Popes die, and God never appointed popes. You know where the word Pope comes from? The Latin Papa, which by translation is a potato. Ah, oh, no, it's not. It means father. See, I want to make you laugh so you wake up. Huh? Papa, what does Papa mean in, in Spanish? Papa. Well, in Latin, Italian is Papa. Father. We say, well, that's a sign of respect. Yeah, but the Lord says, don't call anyone your father on earth. One is your father who is in heaven. So who are we going to listen to? We're going to listen to Papa, or we're going to listen to the Lord? I should hope so. If you're a believer, you will listen to the Lord. Don't call any man your father. One is your father who is in heaven. And don't call anybody rabbi. One is your rabbi, the son of man in meaning himself. People love titles, don't they? Reverend so-and-so. Now, we sometimes say things out of respect, but make sure it's out of respect and not out of veneration and worship because only God must be worshipped. Amen? Always remember that. The Lord Jesus Christ is God. Because when they worshipped him in the New Testament, you see people falling down to worship him. He did not rebuke them. He did not stop them. If he weren't God, he would have stopped them as a Jew. But because he is God, he accepted their worship. So here we see that he lives forever. So now you got it clear. The Lord Jesus Christ became a priest forever since the moment he what? After he what? After he rose and ascended to heaven. From that moment, that's when the new order was put in place. And in, eventually the old order died away. Because remember that a few years after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, he predicted that while he was carrying the cross. Don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and your children. Because the days are coming that you will not be able to to see one stone stay up above the other in this place. If they have done this to the green tree, what will they not do to the dry tree? And you know what? 35 years about after his death, burial, and resurrection, 
the Romans came and destroyed the city, destroyed the temple, and the nation of Israel ceased to exist as a nation until 1948. They were scattered for almost 2,000 years throughout the whole world. And the Levitical priesthood, even to this day, is not going on. Why? Because there's no temple. Okay? There's no temple. His life is, it says, indissoluble. What does it mean? That it cannot be dis dissolved. His life cannot be dissolved. Okay? He is life. I am the way, the truth, and the... He didn't say, I have life. He didn't say, I know life. He said, I am life. Okay? I am life. As such, he can never be replaced because he is the life. Okay, and the Greek word is so strong in this, in this uh, uh, section right here. The word akatalitos means it's impossible to dissolve it. Impossible. Okay, so we go on in verse 17. It says uh, the writer quotes again. From Psalm 110, verse 4. Okay? So here, look what it says in verse 17. For he testifies, you are a priest forever. According to the order of Melchizedek. Who testifies? Well, the Messiah in prophecy. Who wrote those words? In Psalm 110, last, week, last time we talked about this, we said, who wrote Psalm 110? It was David. And David wrote that psalm, okay, under the law. In here we see the eternality of his priesthood. What does it say? You are a priest forever. Who says that? God the Father. God the Father says to God the Son, you are a priest forever, okay? And we see here not only the eternality of his priesthood, but we see the character of his priesthood. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And as I said before, just now, this is a psalm of David written under the law. When? 1,000 years before Christ was even born. I mean, not Christ, but Jesus. Okay? And was the law of Moses going on at the time? Yes? Yeah. He wrote it under the law, but it was a prophecy. A prophecy. And I don't know how much of that David understood at the time, but it doesn't matter. Isn't that interesting? The Lord does not demand of us that we understand everything, only that we trust him and believe him. And you know what? He opens our understanding in proportion to our dedication, to our devotion, to our obedience, to our desire to learn more as we grow spiritually. Amen? So keep reading the word of God. Keep studying it. Keep learning. God will see the desire in your heart, and he will be responsible to open your understanding. So we see that here in verse 17. 
earlier in, in verses 11 and 12, the writer had already made the statement that for the priesthood to change, the law had to be changed. Now he goes even further, saying that on the one hand, there is an annulling or abolishing of the former commandment. Verse 18, for on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. This noun is used twice in Hebrews, okay? Here and in chapter 9, verse 26, where it is translated put away, referring to sin. Okay, so here we see the word, there is an annulling, or a putting away of the former commandment. Just, what he's telling us is this, just as he put away sin, the same, uh, the same way he put away the law by his death. When Jesus died on the cross, when you trusted him, what did he do with your sin? I'm sorry? He put it away, right? Some people think, oh, Jesus covered my sin. No, 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 no. Jesus did not cover your sin. Jesus took away your sin as far as the east is from the west. Even that David prophesies in the Psalms. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed my transgressions from me. Now, David didn't know much about, perhaps, about putting away of sin in a general sense. He knew it probably personally. He understood what God did in his life. It's prophetic. When Jesus died on the cross, he took our sins and not only he nailed them to the cross, he put them away from us. And in the same way that he put away our sin, you know what he did? He put away the law of Moses. He put it away. I know there are some people who call themselves Christians, and I'm sure they are. Many of them. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. That's the Lord knows who's who. They think they need to observe the law. We have a sister many years ago who used to come to this church, and she moved away to another state. Towards the end of her life, she became a member of a messianic congregation. Because she said, we are all Jews. No, we're not. We're Gentiles. Unless you have Jewish blood. We're Gentiles. See? You, Latino. You, African-American. Me, Tarzan. We're all Gentiles. Oh, you have to observe the law. So she went to church and worshipped on Saturday. Not on Sunday anymore. And, of course, Christmas. Oh, that's taboo. We don't celebrate Christmas. The, the Pope invented that. So what? I used to ask my grandmother when I was little in Argentina, Grandma, how old are you? Very discreet question. You know what my grandma used to answer me? My, ma my grandma didn't know how to read or write. Because when she was born... Crete was under Turkish occupation. And the Turks, the Muslims, did not allow girls to go to school past the second grade. So she barely knew how to write her name. And she died in Argentina, never learned Spanish. She only spoke Greek. And I used to ask her, Grandma, how old are you? 
And she says, oh, my son, I'm between 60 and 70. Why? Because they didn't know their age. Why? Because they were born in some town up in some mountain, and nobody registered them until someday the father or the mother went down to the town and remembered to register them so they couldn't remember what day they were born, so they put anything on paper. And just because she did not know her real birthday, does it mean that she wasn't born? Okay? There's a lot of things we don't know, and there's a lot of things we don't understand. But the Lord knows. And in his word, he tells us this. The Lord put away your sin. The Lord put away the law because now we have a new priest. We have a new law. Which law do we have today? We have the law of Messiah. The law of the Christ. The law of grace. So that means that you mean to tell me that the law of Moses is no longer contingent on us? No, it's not. God put away the law. Well, what about the Ten Commandments? Don't worry about it. Don't lose any sleep over it because of the Ten Commandments, so-called. That's not the whole law. The law is 613 commandments, okay? Now, I want you to recite every one of them. The way you worry. Even the Jews cannot recite all 613 commandments. The Lord fulfilled all those commandments on the cross. But let's go back to the Ten out of those Ten Commandments, nine are in the New Testament. The only one that is not in the New Testament is the fourth, which is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Because the Lord said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am your repose. I am your rest. Amen? And as a matter of fact, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 14 that every day to some people is the same, other, to others is not. Don't judge those who think the same about every day with those who do not think the same about every day. You want to worship the Lord on Sunday, worship the Lord on Sunday. You want to worship in the Lord on Monday, worship. As a matter of fact, Christians should worship the Lord every day. Okay? Don't judge anybody. But one thing you must remember. The, 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 the word of God does not condemn or approve of anybody worshiping on any particular day. There's no such law in the law of Messiah because he is our repose. He is our rest. Amen? So what law do we live under now? The law of grace. And grace is unmerited favor. God gives us what we do not deserve. Praise God, he gives us what we don't deserve. His grace. So you cannot impress God. You cannot do something and earn points with God. God is immovable like the rock of Gibraltar. And more so. Thank God for his grace. For not giving us what we deserve. And thank the Lord for his mercy. For, let me put it back. Thank him for his grace. For giving us what we don't deserve. And thank him for his mercy for not giving us what we deserve. That's why the Apostle Paul could say, I am what I am by the grace of God. Look what the Lord, 
made out of the Apostle Paul, the greatest theologian of the New Testament, who had been a murderer and a persecutor of the church. He was there while they were stoning Stephen to death. And he was consenting to that and keeping everybody's clothes and egging everybody on, kill him, kill him, kill him. And I'm sure the rest of his life, that thing must have bothered the Apostle Paul. I'm sure when he got to heaven and saw Stephen, he must have embraced him, must have wept for a couple of thousand years. Only by the grace of God. Well, don't go too far. Moses was a murderer, wasn't he? He killed an Egyptian. And what? Look what the Lord, the Lord made out of Moses. The, the Bible calls him the meekest man of all the earth. The greatest leader in the Old Testament. Only by the grace of God. Do you think Moses became what he became by the law? No. He became what he became by the grace of God. First he became what he became by the grace of God. And then God, ga God gave the law through him. So ask him this morning, what can, Lord, what can you do with me? What can, can, you, what can you do through me? I want to be used by you. It's not only to come here and listen to the wonderful things, the wonderful truths. It's to appropriate them and say, Lord, I want to live for your glory. Do something with my life. Here I am, Lord, send me. Ivan, is that true what you told me yesterday about the missionaries in your home? Okay, may I say something? Yesterday, Brother Ivan Lopez was talking to me on the phone. Oh, we, yes, we had, we had prayer yesterday together with uh, the deacons. And he told us that his two sons, Josias and Elias, this coming spring, are going as missionaries to Guatemala for one week with their school. How about your children? And how about you? Would you be a missionary to your next door neighbor? To your relatives? To your co-workers and to anybody else that you know that's what it's all about you know the truth praise God now share it with others so the Lord put away sin he put away the law he set aside death and he set aside the law the reason for the law being set aside is twofold the law was weak, that is, it could not give the strength for man to fulfill its commandments, and therefore it could not bring about justification. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us in the New Testament, no one will be justified by keeping the law. Why? Because nobody can keep the law. So sometimes you hear people say, well, I'll try to keep the Ten Commandments. It's not a matter of trying, it's a matter of doing it. How many of us have fulfilled all the commandments since the day we were born? Let me see your hands. I dare you to raise your hand. We all failed. Even before we started. Why? Because we're imp it's impossible to keep the law in the flesh. 
Good grief, forget about the 613 commandments. Just take the first one. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy strength, with all thy soul, with all thy heart, and with all thy mind. Have you done that? I have another one for you. If you break one commandment, you're guilty of them all. So listen to this. We have not even been able to keep one commandment, and therefore we are guilty for 613. Now do you appreciate the grace of God? Now do you take a deep sigh and say, oh, thank you, Lord. It is the epitome of ignorance and the epitome of pride to say, I try to keep the commandments. I remember a story by a preacher years ago, when, about a year after I got saved. We had a rally, and it was a World of Life rally. And somebody came. His name was Harry Baldback. He used to be the uh, co-director co of World of Life for many years. He just passed away uh, last year. It was 90-something. Uh, I think it was, what, three days or four after his wife passed away. And uh, he was preaching. Uh, he had been a missionary in Brazil, in the Amazon jungle. And uh, he was preaching, and he told us about a time he was preaching in a church. And he gave an invitation for people to come forward and get saved. And some people came forward. And after the service was over, this lady comes with a mink stole and a plumed hat. And she comes, and she says to him, Miss ball back and she put her hands like this and he said as soon as she said mr. ball back I knew she was we were in trouble she said to him is it necessary for a person to come forward to get saved and he said to her no lady it is not necessary it's not obligatory to come forward to get saved, but for you it is. You cannot walk into church with a chip on your shoulder and say, here I am, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You have to do like the poor publican in the Lord's parable. The Pharisee and the publican, Luke 18, the Pharisee was praying to himself, not to God, to himself. Lord, I thank you that I am a righteous man. And I'm not like that despicable <coughs> publican. Thank you, Lord. I tithe. I do this. I, 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 I. And far away, the publican could not even lift his eyes, and he was smiting his breast. And he said, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. And the Lord says, that man went home justified that day rather than the other one. So when you come to church, humble yourself. Walk through life, every day of your life, humbling yourself. Because if you do not raise yourself too high, when the time comes to fall, you will not go too far. What did the Lord say? Come unto me, <coughs> all you who work and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. 
My goodness, he's God. And he says, I am meek and lowly of heart. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The Apostle Paul says, if anyone among you thinks he is something, is nothing. Those who think are something are their biggest nothings on earth. And that's why John the Baptist, who according to the Lord Jesus Christ was the greatest man born of a woman, the greatest of prophets, said, he must increase, I must decrease. The closer you come to the Lord, the more insignificant you see yourself. The further away you are from the Lord, the bigger you think you are. But notice I said, the bigger you think you are. And there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the ways thereof is the way of death. So humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you in due time. Because the Lord said it very clearly. He who exalts himself, I will abase. And he who abases himself, humbles himself, I will exalt. So the way up is down. And the way down is up. Always remember that. It's one of those beautiful paradoxes in the Christian life. So we see here that the law, the law was, was put away because it was weak. It could not give the, the strength for a man to fulfill its commandments, and therefore it could not bring about justification also. Justification is the beginning of having peace with God. Okay? Also, the law was unprofitable or useless because it killed. If the law was disobeyed, you died. Okay? It did, it did not impart life. Only Jesus Christ can impart life. By faith in his person and his finished work on the cross. The Lord could never, the law could never do that. And that is why it had to be put away. And the new eternal priesthood had to be established. Um, do you know people offer those sacrifices year after year after year after year and they could not take away sin. If they had been able to take away sin, they would not have uh, had to be repeated year after year. How many of you used to go to the Catholic Church? Let me see your hands. You used to, right? You remember when the Mass, they said Kyrie eleison? Yeah? You remember that? Kyrie eleison? You know what that means? See that? They don't know, you don't know what it means. They used to say all these things in church, and they never even explained to you a simple thing like that. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie is Lord. El eleos is mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. So when you go to the Greek church that I used to go to, the Orthodox they said, oh, Kyrieleison all the time. Kyrieleison, 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 Kyrieleison. And there is a saying in Greek that everybody says that too much Kyrieleison, even the priest gets tired of it. All right? They had to repeat and repeat. And every year is the same thing. And they repeat. And, and people, you know what they do? There comes a moment when they, they, they get sick of it. 
At least here, if nothing else, we have something different every Sunday. Amen? Because the word of God cannot be exhausted. And just to show you that it cannot be exhausted, I've been in ministry for 46 years, going on 47. And I have not even preached half of the books of the Bible. The word of God cannot be exhausted. But the law could not bring peace to the sinner, to the observer of the law, no matter how faithful they were. That could never bring peace because peace comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ. They have no justification. That's why the Apostle Paul could say, justify therefore by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not through the law, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So in the last verse that we have this morning, in verse 19, it says, For the law made nothing perfect. How many things did the Lord perfect? Nothing, okay? On the other hand, there is the bringing, of, the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. In this verse, the writer says that the law, the law could not bring perfection, and this is why there was a need for a new priesthood and a new priest. The law could not bring anyone to spiritual maturity. You could not grow by keeping the law. The writer kept in mind the temptation these Jewish believers that he's talking to had to go back to Judaism, to rabbinical Judaism and the old system. And thus he reminds them that what the law could not accomplish because it was weak and unprofitable, not because of the law itself, but because of man. Okay? Imagine this. You have a, a petunia. You know what a petunia is? What is some of you gardeners? What is a petunia? It's a flower. Is it a useless thing? Is it a useless, useless thing? Is a petunia useless? Oh, let me give you another flower that is more known. A rose. Okay, a rose. Is a rose useless? No. Now, put an elephant on top of it. Will it be able to sustain it? Same thing with the law. The law is good, the Apostle Paul says, and it's holy. Okay, God gave it. It's good. It's perfect. But you know what? We are imperfect. We could not fulfill it, ever. There was only one that walked this earth that fulfilled it to the T. All of it, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's God in the flesh. And he took that law and nailed it to the tree. Because he fulfilled it, now we're free of it. When we put our trust in him. Otherwise we are condemned. Okay. Now. He the writer keeps in mind. The temptation these Jewish believers had. Because of pressure. Because of persecution. To go back to rabbinical Judaism. To that old system. And therefore he reminds them. That what the law could not accomplish. Because it was weak and unprofitable. Jesus Christ accomplished it to the full. And therefore they had a better hope. And were now able to draw near to God. The only thing the law could do was to be a tutor and point people to Christ. That is the Messiah. Paul says the same thing in Romans, in, I'm sorry, in Galatians 
uh, chapter th 3, verses 23 through 25. Now, having done that, those who come to Christ have a better hope through which we draw near to God. Now we come close to God's throne through our new priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the Word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons.